0: But I am excited to be in the house of the Lord. I feel direction from the Lord. And I believe God is going to confirm His word with signs following today. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 through 31. Give you a second to turn there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. you're wondering why we're emotional, it's because God's brought us a mighty long way. In this room are people that were addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, marriages on the verge of falling apart, and uh, some of us still in process, but God keeps picking us up and helping us out. But God has delivered a mighty host of people in this room and turned our lives around. And everything that you have seen and heard in this room, I can show you somewhere in Scripture. Why we do it. The Bible says we can clap our hands to the Lord. The Bible says we can lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. The Bible says you could leap and jump before the Lord. It says you could dance before the Lord. And so, if this society can be passionate about what they're involved in, all the enemy really did is hijack what was intended for God and misplaced it into the society that we live in today. And now people lift their hands at concerts, and people lift their voices at concerts. People lift their hands at a sports event and lift their voice at a sports event. People, you know, they'll dance at all sorts of events. But for some reason, we thought church should be dead, dry, rigid, and boring uh, because the enemy knows the power of emotion in a service when there is spirit and truth. And so we basically have put all that emotion and expression back in its rightful place. In the house of God. And so if you're here today and you're a guest, we're glad you're here. And if you think we're nuts, uh, you're partially true and accurate in that. We're nuts. We're crazy for Jesus. Uh, And so I'm just not going to let society be more excited about carnality than I am about my Jesus. And everything in here is in the Word of God. Matthew 14, verse 27 through 31. Straightway Jesus spake unto them... Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I'm going to preach for the next couple moments about little faith. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the privilege, the honor, the opportunity to gather together with this assembly. And I am believing in Jesus' name that you're going to confirm your word today. There will be a witness of the spirit. I believe there's going to be transformation. I believe there's going to be deliverance. I even believe that there will be a notable miracle in the name of Jesus. I believe it, therefore I speak it. I bind fear. I bind doubt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I tell it to go back from whence it came. I pray your word would have liberty in this place, that your spirit would have free course and let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here in Watertown as it is in heaven and somebody say in Jesus name a little faith the portion of scripture that we just read the context the backdrop is Jesus has just finished teaching and he is sending out his disciples onto a boat across the waters, and he tells them, I will meet you on the other side. Go on ahead. So Jesus gave them direction, said what was going to occur. Anytime Jesus says something, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. It is a promise. Whether you want to call it promise, whether you want to call it prophecy, what he said will happen will happen. He said, I'm going to meet you on the other side, and so they get in the boat, they get going, and in that water, all of a sudden, a storm occurs, and in this storm, they begin to panic, they begin to worry. It's one thing to be in some sort of storm, and you're in your house, or you are uh, in a neighborhood, I would be kind of freaky with a tornado, but just some sort of high wind and high rain, you're not going to probably capitulate and you know tremble with fear even if you are a little nervous of lightning and you are a little nervous of thunder and and uh, all that kind of stuff that comes with a storm but they are in the water and now things have changed drastically and the the waves are rising and falling the boat rising with it and dropping with it water coming into the boat it feels as if they're going to go under they're going the ship is going to wreck and they're not going to be able to navigate in that situation I know I personally would be very much afraid but these men are not like this boy I'm just a little city boy that is Turn a little bit almost rural in this suburban area in the, uh, the land of Watertown. But these are fishermen. These are these are manly men. These are people that have been in boats many times. They've ran a business that way. They, they've lived. They've been raised on it. They've been in storms before. And so I, I would feel... Very scared being on a ship by myself out at sea without a storm, but with a storm more fearful. But knowing that you got Pistol Pete in the boat, you got the apostles in the boat, you got great men of faith that have seen miracle signs and wonder, and they happen to be skilled fishermen, I will have a sense of security upon me. But if I am ever in a device like an airplane or a boat, and the captain of that ship or the captain of that airplane begins to squeal over the intercom, I'm, 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 uh, you done lost me. We, we were in a trying to fly into Sioux Falls yesterday, and I, I was nervous that we weren't going to be able to land because they, they were talking about they can't see the runway, all this kind of stuff. And they descended into the storm, the, that airplane is shaking, and all of a sudden, Everything leaned back and we went straight back up. Everything, the sound of the motor, the engine changed. And it, if he would have got on the intercom, like, oh my goodness, I don't know. Goodness, all there. I would have lost my lunch. And then some. But they're so kind to speak very calmly, collectively, as not to let pandemonium and chaos ensue aboard the vessel. But now you got the people like captains that have ran ships beginning to cry and scream out for their lives. They are afraid they're going to die. And all of a sudden they see Jesus going off in the distance and they think it is a spirit. But Jesus corrects their assumption and says it is not a spirit. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter is the one that speaks up. He says, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. Now, if I'm scared I'm going to drown, I'm not going to ask to get out of the boat. I'm going to ask, Jesus, I need you in this boat. I need you in this ship with me so I know the ship's going to be okay, so I know I'm going to be okay. But for some odd reason, he says, Jesus, I'd like to go out on that water with you. And in the midst of a storm, there's a divine invitation, and Peter steps out of the boat and is now walking on water. There is a notable miracle in the middle of a storm. If you're here today and you find yourself in the middle of a storm, you are in a perfect situation, circumstance, and a perfect setting and condition for Jesus Christ to come in and let you see a notable miracle in your life. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Now we have Peter walking on the water. He sees Jesus. He goes out to Jesus. But after some time, we don't know how long, but he begins to take his eyes off of Jesus and observes the wind and observes the rain. And now he is scared. What he sees affects how he feels. And so we must be very diligent and careful what we set our eyes on. Upon the Bible says in Colossians 3:2 set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Look under the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. We have to stop watching the wrong thing and start right watching the only thing that matters. Jesus is all that matters in the hour which we are living in. Now he is sinking because of what he has seen and how he is being affected by it. And as he is sinking, he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And that's what Jesus wants to hear you say today, Lord, save me me i am sinking by everything i am seeing right now and i need you to save me today how many want to see the hand of god save you in your situation jesus pulls him up and gives him a very encouraging word peter o oh thou of little faith That bothered me just a little bit. I'm like, little faith? Like these guys didn't even get out the boat. I am the only one that asked you to bid me to come. And you're saying, I have a little faith. Then Jesus makes this statement, wherefore didst thou doubt? When you look up that word, wherefore, in the original language, it means to or into Indicating the point reached or entered, a place or a time. Jesus said, your little faith, it happened at a certain point. You reach that condition along the way. And I feel very clear in the Holy Ghost, I am speaking to some faith in this room that at some point along the way, at a certain time, at a certain location, your faith has been impacted where before you were walking on water and now you find your feet going under and now you find yourself gasping for air. I want you to know just like you can find a place of doubt, you can find a place of returning faith. You can find a place of rebuilding faith. You can find a place of refounding your faith in Jesus. Someone say little faith. Just a couple chapters later we read another occasion in chapter 17 verse 19. The story setting is this father has a son that is demon possessed. And this son that is demon possessed, he does what any father ought to do. You ought not to be okay with the hell going on in your home. You ought not to be okay if your kid is addicted to drugs. You ought not to be okay if your kid is needing to go see some sort of psychiatrist and try to be diagnosed for depression and be on medication. You Something as a father, something as a mother, something as a grandparent inside of you should rise up and say, I am not okay with this current situation. I want it to be better than what it is. Does someone want your situation to be better than what it is right now? I want better things. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews over and over, it uses the word better. It's like an anthem. It's like a theme. The blood of Jesus speaks better. Better things. The blood of society cries vengeance. That's blood of society cl- uh, cries out wrath. But Jesus Christ, he shed that blood on the cross that we sing about. So his blood can redeem you. And his blood can cover you. Are you thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, my God, 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 God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. We read here in Matthew 17 of this Father... And this Father does what we ought to do as parents, if you're a parent here today and, and things are going on in your marriage and things are going on in your family, do not settle for what it is right now. You have to take your situation to the house of God. you got to take that situation to a spirit-led element. And so he, he finds himself going to where those who follow Jesus, he finds himself there at the feet of the 12 apostles and brings that demon-possessed boy in great hopes because they've cast out devils before. They've healed the sick before. And so he has great faith. But to his surprise, he is disappointed because the first faith healer doesn't bring it. The second prophet doesn't bring it. The third apostle doesn't bring it. The fourth man of God doesn't bring it. The fifth disciple doesn't bring it. And all through 12 prayer line. Nothing happens and we have conditioned ourselves in current day Christianity and modern day religion that if we don't see our answer to prayer, we begin to settle for this statement. It must not be the will of God. It's awesome that you came with faith because out of desperation, you wanted the devil out. Out of desperation, you wanted your situation and your circumstance to change. But I want just to let you know up front, sometimes it doesn't change the first time. Sometimes it doesn't change at the conference or at the convention or this person that's used in the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles. There's sometimes great men and women of God have prayed for me and it seemingly appeared as if nothing, occurred. And you can come to the conclusion, it must not be God's will to save my son. It must not be God's will to save my marriage. It must not be God's will to set me free from this addiction. It must not be within the realm of God's ability But thank God this father, something inside of him did not quit and give up. And he came across Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, that devil came out of that boy. And that boy was instantly delivered of that demon possession. Do not quit on the church. Do not quit on pastor. Do not quit on the ministry. They're trying to do the best they can to be led of the Spirit. But ultimately, keep pursuing Jesus if you don't settle God can set you up for an answer to your prayer hallelujah I believe Jesus is going to answer prayer Jesus encouraged us to come back to him with the same prayer request that we've been praying for years read Luke chapter 11 Read Luke chapter 18. Two times in one gospel, Jesus talked about a woman that was a widow and she did not stop coming into the presence of that wicked king asking for her situation to be taken care of. And time and time again, that wicked king denied her that request until the point came, the king realized this woman is not letting up and this woman is not backing up off of me. The only way I can get rid of Rid of her is to meet her request. And a wicked king that had no fear of God met the need of a woman that was persistent. And Jesus said, listen, if a wicked ruler can meet the need of a persistent woman, what can your holy heavenly father do with a persistent church and a persistent bride that says, I'm not quitting on this. I'm not giving up on this. I know he's the king and I know he has all power both in heaven and and in earth the one you're praying to has the answer the one you're praying to can meet your situation he says the same thing in Luke chapter 18. At the midnight hour at an inconvenient time, there was a man who needed some food for uh, uh, to host some friends that came over, and he kept going to a neighbor's house and knocking on that door because he knew what he needed was beyond the door, and he would not settle until he got the need from the other side of the door. Is there someone here that you are standing before a door of faith and your knuckles seem to be bleeding and you seem to be weary and your voice is hoarse I want you to know God brought you here today to give you another reason to believe to pick that fist back up again and knock on that door of faith again and pray one more time because Jesus wants to open up that door of faith and so this father gets that need met he wants to meet your needs Luke 12, 32 says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But we read here in Matthew 17, after he delivers that boy of the devil, the disciples sheepishly ask on the sidelines, why could not we cast him out? How come? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For really I say unto you, you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, Be removed and go to another place, and it will remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Jesus said, The reason why you could not cast out that devil, you need to have a little bit of faith the size of the grain of mustard seed in order to get a mountain to uproot and to relocate and to be cast into a sea it's amazing to me as i read this it just came to me a couple of weeks ago as i was considering this portion of scripture and what we read in matthew chapter 14 both situations involved little faith Little faith, you can lift a mountain and throw it into the sea. And with a little faith, you can find yourself sinking in the same sea. So is Jesus, you know, contradicting himself? What's going on? Does he forget what he said just a couple chapters earlier? No, I don't believe that at all. Basically, Jesus is trying to help us see a difference in each little faith that is presented. Because you can have little faith and little doubt, and you will find yourself sinking. But if you have a little faith... And no doubt, you can take a mountain up and cast it into the very sea you were sinking in. There's a difference, not in the level of increase of faith one versus the other. The only difference is that faith is present and Doubt or unbelief is absent, and that is what God brought you here today to hear and to comprehend and to add into your prayer. Some of us, we're always asking God for greater faith and more faith, and it's not a bad thing to ask, but the reality is some of you do not need an increase of faith. You need the absence of doubt that keeps hijacking your faith, that just... If you have a little faith and no doubt, no mountain and no weapon formed against you can prosper. But if you have the God of all power and heaven and earth in your corner and you trust in him and say, God, I trust in you. I'm not going to hold on to my doubt. I'm not going to hold on to reservation. I believe in a miracle. Do you lift your hands right now and would you call in the name of Jesus? God, I pray today, Lord, there is a host of people in this room. They are not agnostic. They are not atheist. They believe in you. But Jesus, they've been having a partner with their faith and it is doubt. But I pray in the name of Jesus today that your perfect love would drive it out. I pray, God, that faith would rise and doubt would diminish till it is gone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And no matter the size of faith, there must be zero doubt. I will throw this out here because Jesus is sovereign. He can step into any atmosphere and do whatever he wants at any time, even when doubt is present. You'll read that in Scripture where there is doubt, where there is unbelief. And some people now have been pursuing Jesus, but Jesus does the miraculous anyway. And there's this this guy minding his own business with a withered hand. And Jesus said, hey, you stand up. Me? He said, yeah. Stretch your hand. That's crazy. didn't say anything about this guy's faith. Jesus is in an atmosphere full of anger, wrath, and doubt. And people that don't believe in him. And he still performed the miraculous. And so... I just want you to understand that we don't have to always wait for the perfect atmosphere for God to do something. In fact, more times than often, it's never a perfect atmosphere. But there are some things that we can learn in our own personal lives that I, I, I don't really need more faith. I just need to stop questioning and stop doubting, and I got to stop being skeptical and critical. And we're all human, we all have waves of emotion like that. Whereas there's nothing wrong with sometimes having some doubt and some questions and some uncertainties and insecurities, but somewhere along the way, you got to look at that doubt and say, you're not coming to this prayer meeting this time. You're not coming to the altar with me this time. You're not invited to this prayer meeting. It's just me, my faith, and Jesus. And we're going to move a mountain this time. I'm not going to sink in this prayer this time. I'm not going to sink and miss my miracle this time. I'm going to stay afloat on my miracle. I'm talking to some people you experienced a miracle and you fell through. But God's will is not for you to fall through. God wants your mountain to go under the surface of that water. God wants you to stand on top of that water and your mountain to stay under. Oh, would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice right now? in the name of jesus in the name of jesus i pray those sinking god crying out save me you pick them back up and put them on top of the surface of their water and i pray it's their mountain that goes under in jesus name hey, hey. yes hey. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm, I felt clear in prayer as I was praying for this service that I would step into a room where there would be some damaged faith. There would be some tarnished faith. There would be some tainted faith. Not that you don't believe God, but you just have some doubt that's hijacking the little faith that you have left. Mm, life's not easy. There's no one in this room that has it better than you. You hear me? There is no one in this room that has it better than you. Life isn't fair. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. We're all subject to the elements of this world, and it seems like sometimes the wicked prosper. You know, that person seems to prosper. But you got to worry about yourself. you got to focus where you're at. And you got to stop letting doubt kill the little faith you have left. There's a man named Jacob, and he was blessed to have 12 boys. But even a man that's in covenant with God, life has a way of not turning out what you thought it would be. And he loses one of his youngest sons to the brothers that are envious. And they, they, they plot and stage, you know, a murder. And, and all of a sudden they decide the only reason why we're not going to kill our brother is because we want to maybe make some money if we sell him as a slave. And so they bring that coat back to their father and they show their father this bloody coat that the father made for him. And when he saw that, the Bible says in Genesis 37 33, Jacob knew it. He says, It's my son's coat, and an evil beast has devoured him. And Joseph, without doubt, is rent in pieces. He had the absence of doubt, but it was basically, simply put, it's the absence of faith. It was misplaced faith. He had faith that his son was dead, doubt that he lived, and he was sure that what he's seen before him, the logical conclusion is my son is dead. And he refused to be comforted. He would determine, I'm going to my grave, a man that lost his son, and I am going to grieve him no matter what you do. He didn't even send out a search and rescue party. He didn't even go to see maybe, there's some people that lose family, but they still want to find the body. They want to find the remains. It brings a peace. It brings a closure. But he didn't even go look for his boy. He was just absolutely sure this is what I think it is. But you fast forward, Joseph's alive, and he is the number two command of all of Egypt, and he spares people from dying in famine and so the brothers find out that the number two of all command is their brother and they the joseph says go tell my dad i'm alive bring him here and so the brothers go and they run to the father as fast as they can they say joseph's alive joseph's alive look at verse 26 of Genesis 45 they tell him this joseph's alive he's governor over all the land of Egypt And Jacob's heart, you think it would be encouraged. You think it would be consoled. You think it would be comforted. But it says his heart fainted because he believed them not. I'm talking to some people in this room. You've heard faith before. You've heard miracles before. But you're sitting here and you don't believe the word that I'm preaching to you. But you need to believe the word that I'm preaching to you. There may seem to be no external uh, evidence that what I'm saying is true. He had no evidence of what his boys were we're saying was true. But the Bible says that faith, here's how faith works. When you read Isaiah 55 verses 11 on down, that God's word goes forth. And that word, it's just a spoken word. It's an invisible word. But when it comes back like a boomerang, it ain't coming back empty. There will be a manifestation of that promise. The word goes forth first. Faith goes forth first. But all of a sudden, material will catch up with the word. Material will catch up with the promise. And so the boys are giving the good news. The boys are giving a good report. The father doesn't believe it. But all of a sudden, over the crest of the hill, come some caravans. And these caravans Are stacked high with goods and riches and provision and food. And the Bible says in verse 27, after they tell him all those words, the Bible says, when he saw the wagons which Joseph sent to carry them. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And something shifted in him. He said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. See, he didn't see Joseph. He didn't see Joseph. But a sign came over the crest of the hill. And all of a sudden things began to materialize. And he says, that's enough evidence. I believe beyond those wagons is my boy." I'm going to believe it now. So he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to see him before I die. A father that was dying got enough faith to say, I'm going to see my boy before I die. Is there someone here today you thought you were going to die without your promise, but after this word, God's letting you see something's coming over the hill and you're going to declare I will See my prop Hela Mahandare, Orocoramaraye, Arabata, Hitora, Marekara, Matatasa, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm just about done, Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, How? what does it take to move a mountain? Just a little faith, but how, how in this moment, he's just saying, look, a little faith, you can move this mountain, and a little faith, you go, you go down under the water, the only difference is little doubt or no doubt he says, if you doubt not in your heart, but believe those things that you say, if you believe they'll come to pass, you will have whatever you say. This is Jesus talking. This is not not me. Not organizational liturgy. This is Jesus talking. He says, this is what happens if you can remove doubt from your heart when you pray. And he says in verse 24, I say to you, what things you desire when you pray, believe. Desire has to come into that prayer, doubt has to exit. And you got to begin to believe that you're going to receive them and you shall have them. It says in Matthew 21 21 Have faith and doubt not. Not only what was done to this fig tree will be done, but you can speak to a mountain Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done multiple times in the same gospel Jesus talked about, praying and seeing mountains move. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And so what what do we do to get that kind of faith, as it says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, 21? I don't I'm not against asking for more faith. I pray for more faith. I pray for increased measure of faith. I pray for the active resident gift of faith to preside in my life, in the life of my children, and in our family. I, I pray those things, but God's just helping me understand. Like, man, how much more faith do you need? How about you just stop second guessing, and how about you just stop doubting, and you'll begin to see that which you want to see occur. And Romans 10:8 says the word is nigh you even in your mouth and in your heart the word of faith which we preach. And so you got to understand inside I preached whatever last month about you're closer than you think. That faith is closer than you think. It's right there. It's it's actually in your heart. You just got to you got to let it flow. You got to begin to speak the word of faith that I'm preaching to you right now. And so how 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 can we condition our faith where it is not coinciding with doubt because it is possible. Mark 9:23, that father says, "Lord I believe, help thou mine unbelief. It's possible for faith and doubt to coincide in the same vessel. You can still go to heaven, but you may not get to heaven with a promise that could have occurred in your world if you would just simply stop letting a little doubt coincide with a little faith. And so what we need to do, and we're going to pray here, and I believe that there's going to be a diminishing of doubt where it is dissolved, it is going to be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just this one-time fix because you are flesh, and because you are flesh, you're going to fight with faith every single day of your life. And what you need to do, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why the atmosphere is different. That's why there's faith rising because you are hearing the word of God. This is why you need to be in church every single time because your faith is going to be built by listening to the preach word of God. And yeah, I know you can listen you know, uh, uh, from a distance, but there's nothing like being present hearing the preach word of God. It's like I can watch a high-definition screen of of a fire, a roaring fire with Dolby surround sound and I can listen to the crackling of the fire I can see the fire, but it's not the same as me being in the presence of that same fire in person, feeling the warmth from that hearth. You got to be in the presence of preaching. When you're in the presence of preaching, there's a greater dynamic and there's a greater fire and there's a greater faith building and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God but the next thing I feel just to tell you today is Jude 1.20, Jesus Jesus said, these things come not but by prayer and by fasting in Matthew 17, 21. And so if right now you want fasting, your doubt to die and you want your doubt to disappear, you need to get to prayer on a daily basis. And you got to add some fasting every now and again. If you ever want to let your flesh starve, start fasting. When you pray, and when this is Jesus talking, by the way, when you pray and when you fast, all of a sudden the doubt that you've been feeding and allowing it to live in that apartment, there's some things that only live there if they have a food source. And you got to stop letting doubt have a food source. And so when you go to fasting and prayer, doubt starts diminishing and your faith is the only thing left that remains. And all of a sudden next time you pray and next time you bring it to God, there's going to be a sign and a witness of the spirit and a materialization of that which you've been praying and hoping for. But Jude one twenty says, but beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying and In the Holy Ghost. If you are here today and you are struggling with doubt and you are struggling with fear, there's two simple things I want to say. One, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can get the Holy Ghost today man, walking in life with the Holy Ghost is a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Holy Ghost, the righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. If you can begin to receive the Holy Ghost today, I'm telling you that doubt is going to be nowhere to be found in that moment of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. It is a powerful, powerful Powerful, powerful opportunity God has allowed every single person here to have. It is a gift, and it is for you. But if you're here and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not uncommon for you to have moments of struggling in your faith. But you got to combat it by having a good old prayer session in the Holy Ghost. Because logic, reason, rationalization... All those things are just going to feed that little doubt while you're trying to feed your little faith. Sometimes you got to do the illogical and just have a good Holy Ghost praying and let the Spirit make intercession. I have found myself, and you've heard me teach plenty of times about praying in the Spirit and praying in understanding. Because I know some folks, it just seems all they ever do is pray in the Spirit and they never pray in understanding. I believe it's both. But I have found myself in this season praying more and more in the spirit because logic is fighting me. Flesh is fighting me. And I just want to be given to the spirit. And so in the name of Jesus, I build up this most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. I mentioned Mark nine twenty three. This Jesus speaks to this father with a demon-possessed child. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to, them that, to him that believeth. And that father cries out and begins to speak with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou, mine unbelief. He had a little faith. He had a little doubt. And he stayed with the same problem. But God wants to help someone's unbelief here today as we stand together. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, if you have faith... And doubt not. You could speak to a fig tree that has deep roots and uproot it. And you could speak to a mountain that's eclipsing any sign of the sun. And it can move in the name of Jesus. I felt very clear witness in the Holy Ghost. Just drawing that parallel between Peter and then the 12 apostles in Matthew 17. I felt very clear witness that I'm talking to some people You fall through that water. You stepped out with faith. You experienced a miracle. You experienced Jesus, but you fell through. But you need to cry out, Lord, save me. But this time, you're not going to have to go back down through. This time, that doubt is going to be gone. And it's the mountain that's going under and not you. How many want your mountain to go under and you're tired of going under? Hallelujah. If I'm talking to you right now, and not me, if if the Spirit is talking to you right now, I wonder if you would step forward to the front of this area, around the side, around the front, as close as you can, your toes touching this altar, and you wanted to get rid of that little doubt. We're not asking for more faith today. We're asking that you have only faith today. In the name of... Of Jesus. It will not be by my might. It will not be by my power. It will be by the Spirit of the living God. We are going to begin to pray in the Spirit. We're going to give ourselves to the Spirit in just a moment here. And it, it, it might weird some folks out. It might creep some folks out. But I'm telling you, everything we're doing is in this book. And if you have a question, I'd love to answer any of those questions. Or Pastor will answer any of those questions. But I want you to know, if you have any doubt inside of you, and you are tired of them coinciding inside of you, and you need a miracle, don't settle for well, while. It must not be God's will for me to be healed. It must not be the will of God for us to have this or to, this to happen. In the name of Jesus, that Father was before twelve apostles and you would figure twelve apostles can take care of it but thank God the Father went to Jesus and Jesus took care of that situation Jesus is here right now and he's going to help you but when we're going to pray here I want if you are filled with the Holy Ghost as best as you can, yield to the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and let the Spirit fight your logic. Let the Spirit fight every type of reasoning that's inside of your flesh right now. We are all human and all of us have it and all of us fight it. But we're going. the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are going to cast down that imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are going to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ by praying in the spirit if you are here today and you need the holy ghost you should begin to lift up your hands and pray god fill me with the holy ghost and he'll fill you with the holy ghost today and in the name of jesus that doubt is going to disappear